Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and Sicky McSickerson over there is Katie. What? I don't know what you're talking about. I just have the plague. Uh, her voice is going to be a little scratchy this episode. Yeah, don't mind me. It's my sexy voice. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm really turned on right now. <laughs> Anywho, let's just keep rolling right into our rolling rehash. In our last episode, we compared Chapter 7 of Sorcerer's Stone, The Sorting Hat, with the corresponding film scenes. We saw Harry, Ron, Hermione, Draco, and Susan Bones... Yay, nepotism! ...getting sorted, met a few other students, teachers, and ghosts, and got our first real glimpse of the inside of Hogwarts in all its M.C. Escher Mario Brothers level glory. We talked about how the movie made some weird changes like having Filch as Dumbledore to remind the students that the third floor corridor was off limits, how this was the start of giving Hermione other characters lines, and how sad we were that Peeves was omitted. We also decided that the sorting hat sounded drunk. It was very drunk. Luckily, I don't sound drunk at all. Nope, not even a little. That's a lie. Anyway. Dirty, dirty lie. <laughs> During episode seven, the slurring hat, one of our Potter ponderings was to wonder what your thoughts on the obvious bias of staff members against certain houses, namely Slytherin, but also Hufflepuff. Carly had a great response to this Potter pondering. She said, I understand the bias a little bit of liking your own house more than others. I mean, if you lived in the dorm room at your school for all seven years, they truly become your family. So it makes sense to have an attachment to that house. That being said, I do think it is unfair that teachers put biases in their students' heads about Hufflepuffs not being smart and being the throwaway house. I also think it's wrong that people dislike Slytherins because they are mean. Yeah. And uh, Sam said, I think it is understandable for the teachers to be biased against some of the houses. As far as we know, almost all of them attend Hogwarts, so obviously their house is like family to them. But it's also not justified if teachers let that come in between the education and be biased on giving or taking points. As far as I remember, only Snape used to do that. Yeah. In general, the series tends to make out that all Slytherins are bad and all Hufflepuffs are stupid. And Ravenclaw doesn't even get a lot of attention, but at least it's acknowledged that they're the smart ones. Mm -hmm. And since the majority of the main characters are Gryffindor, it kind of makes me think that the perspective is just all about how awesome they are, because it's from Gryffindor perspective. And I think it's really easy for those biases to transfer to the fans. Yeah. Which really isn't fair, because each house genuinely has their own real worth. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with, with Slytherin, I mean, yeah, there, there are some dicks there, but there's dicks everywhere. It always strikes me that they just get the bad rap for being the assholes. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of sad that the best defense that you can come up with is that there are dicks everywhere yeah like because undoubtedly the book series and the movies made out the slytherins to be dicks and it shouldn't be that way because you're slytherin and you're awesome we know a lot of awesome people that fall into the slytherin category and they just to tell the story they just chose to focus on the negative side 
Yeah. Our other one was, what do you think about book Dumbledore versus movie Dumbledore? Which do you prefer and why? Um, the responses we got for this one seem to be fairly evenly split. Uh, the preference between book and movie Dumbledore. Yeah, having a staunch preference of book Dumbledore, it really interested no. no. <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> it really interested me to see that several people preferred movie Dumbledore over book Dumbledore. And the general consensus there was that there was a lack of detail about Dumbledore's character in the movies that made him less controversial. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that Dumbledore had a tendency to use people without giving them all of the information that they needed. And the movie kind of eliminated that perspective because movie Dumbledore wasn't written to be as omniscient as book Dumbledore. Yeah. And that kind of took away the perspective that he was holding out information because he didn't seem to have it. And that's why I prefer book Dumbledore because we just know so much more about him. Mm-hmm. And yes, he is flawed. Yeah. But that doesn't make him not a good character. Mm-hmm. Actually, if anything, flaws can make people better characters in mm-hmm. stories. For sure. Um, as always, thank you for sharing your responses to our Potter Ponderings. Yeah, for real. You guys offer up some really great insights, and we want you to keep them coming. Our trivia question last week was, where do you find a bizarre with the code word potions? If you answered in the stomach of a goat, then you were correct. Congratulations to Val Crick for getting the answer correct. That's why she's an asset to our trivia team. Indeed. So I didn't realize this until a few months ago, but bazaars are an actual thing. Yeah. They're basically giant hairballs. Ew. My husband saw one in a museum in Montreal and sent me a picture of it because he was just like, she'll appreciate this. It's Harry Potter. It's a bazaar. And uh, That's I'm, love. Yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'll post the picture up on Facebook so you guys can see what an actual bazaar looks like. I gotta say, though, man, if you gotta save me from poison by making me eat a eat a hairball, just let me die. I'm cool. I'd miss you, though. Well, I might shove it down your throat. Rude. I feel like I have a bazaar down my throat already right now. But you sound sexy, though. I do. Let's just keep rolling, though, right into Chapter 8, The Potions Master, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 8, The Potions Master. Classes start the next day, and everyone stares at Harry in the hallways, which is really distracting while he's trying to maneuver all the staircases, trick doorways, and in general just trying to navigate Hogwarts with the moving portraits, suits of armor, and ghosts, though some of them are helpful. Peeves the poltergeist is the opposite of helpful, and likes to send students the wrong way or play pranks on them, but worse than Peeves is the caretaker, Mr. Filch. Harry and Ron got on his bad side when they were lost, and Mr. Filch found them trying to force through a door that ended up being to the Forbidden Corridor. Filch owns a cat the students hate, Mrs. Norris, that patrols for him and will fetch him when she catches a student breaking a rule. Harry finds his class a lot more challenging than he expected. He studies the night skies, stars, and planets, he has herbology three times a week with Professor Sprout, and gets bored in History of Magic, the only class taught by a ghost, Professor Binns. The charms teacher is Professor Flitwick, a tiny man who has to stand on a pile of books to see over his desk. He falls off of them when he reaches Harry's name on roll call. Professor McGonagall is strict and clever and gives them a talking to at the start of Transfiguration. After warning them about the challenges in the class and her expectations, she transforms her desk into a pig and back, 
The first years are very excited to get started, but soon realize it's much more difficult than it looks. They take a lot of notes and then start trying to turn a match into a needle. Hermione is the only person who manages to make any difference to her match. Everyone had really been looking forward to Defense Against the Dark Arts, but Professor Quirrell's class ends up being a joke. His classroom smells like garlic, and he won't tell them how he fought off a zombie that he claims earned him his turban as a thank you. Harry is glad to realize that he is not miles behind everyone else because there was so much to learn. On Friday, Harry and Ron are happy that they are able to make it to the Great Hall for breakfast without getting lost at all. They go over their schedule and realize they have double potions with the Slytherins. Ron tells Harry he heard that Snape favors the Slytherins, and Harry wishes that McGonagall favored the Gryffindors, because she gave them a ton of homework to do. The mail arrives by Owl, and Harry is pleased to see Hedwig deliver his first letter. The note is from Hagrid, inviting him to tea that afternoon. Harry writes his response on the back and sends Hedwig off with it. They head to potions, which ends up being the worst class. Harry quickly realizes that Snape absolutely hates him. He starts the class by taking attendance, and when he reaches Harry's name, he pauses and mocks Harry's fame. After sharing his expectations for the class, and says he expects that they will be a big bunch of dunderheads, Snape then asks Harry several difficult questions that Harry is not able to answer. Hermione, who had her hand raised the whole time, stands up with her hand in the air, and Harry tells Snape he should try asking her. Snape is not amused and scolds him for his cheek. Throughout the lesson, he criticizes pretty much everyone except for Malfoy. He even blames Harry when Neville messes up his own potion and melts the cauldron. Harry is feeling pretty low by the time they leave potions and doesn't understand why Snape hates him so much. Ron goes with Harry to tea with Hagrid, and they get to meet his big black boarhound, Fang. Hagrid serves them tea and rock cakes, which nearly break their teeth, but they pretend to enjoy them as they tell Hagrid all about their first week. Hagrid also doesn't like Mr. Filch and Mrs. Norris, and reassures Harry that Professor Snape doesn't really like any of the students. Harry tries to insist that Snape seems to really hate him, and Hagrid tries to deny it, though he won't quite look at Harry when he does. Hagrid asks Ron about Charlie, and while Ron is telling him about Charlie's work with the dragons, Harry finds a news article about a break-in at Gringotts. He realizes that it happened on the same day he was there with Hagrid and discovers that the vault broken into had been emptied earlier that day. Harry points this out to Hagrid, who definitely avoids looking at him this time. Harry wonders if the thief had been there to steal the grubby package that Hagrid removed and where it is now. He also wonders if Hagrid knows something about Snape that he isn't telling Harry. Okay, it's my turn with my sexy voice. In the movie, this scene opens on the castle and cuts to Harry and Ron running into a classroom, apparently late. As Ron is expressing relief that they wouldn't have to see the look on Professor McGonagall's face for showing up late, the cat on the desk leaps off and transforms into the professor. Ron is impressed, but McGonagall is not and lectures them to be on time and get to their seats. The next scene starts with all of the first years sitting in the potions room as Professor Snape makes his billowy entrance and explains the expectations to succeed for the select few that will be able to. He describes what he will be able to teach the capable students and stops when he sees Harry taking notes and calls him out, assuming he is not paying attention. He quizzes him in front of the whole class about potion ingredients, ignoring Hermione's raised hand. 
When Harry cannot answer, he shames him for being famous, to Malfoy's delight. It cuts to the Great Hall, where Seamus is trying to turn water into rum until it blows up in his face. The mail arrives, delivered by owls. Harry doesn't get anything delivered, but borrows Ron's newspaper. Neville receives a remember-all, and the smoke inside of it turns red, indicating that he forgot something. Harry learns from the paper that Gringotts was broken into, but that nothing was taken because the vault in question, number 713, had been emptied earlier that day. Harry realizes that that is the vault that he and Hagrid went to. You know, all things considered, you made it through that better than I thought you were going to. Yeah, I'm quite surprised myself. I mean, you don't sound like you, but (laughs) we're just going to keep rolling no matter what. (laughs) So in the book, the chapter starts out with more of a description of how difficult it is to get around the castle without getting lost. Because of like the moving portraits and the suits of armor that seem to move and the staircases. Yeah. There's so many of them. It. And then, um, of course, you have trick doors and then Peeves. Yeah. Who will never miss a moment to send a kid the wrong way if he can. Right, exactly. Especially Ickle Firsties. Ickle Firsties. <laughs> I missed him in the movies. Yet I again. I, I wish, really... I, I wish they would have kept him. Honestly. I hope they... I, like, that... More than them remaking the movies, I want them to just re-edit them with everything that they yeah, shot. Right? I want them, that's what I want them to do. Because I... I'd like the three-hour director's cut. Right. For sure. And, I mean, they have peeves. They have that footage. Yeah. Make it. Yeah. I everybody agree. will rebuy that movie. Like, I, right. Well, maybe not everybody, but I will. Right. And we're the only ones who matter, so there's Clearly. that. Obviously. And all of our listeners. Well, yes. Because they're the best. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Um, so aside from Peeves being out of the movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they do illustrate that Ron and Harry got lost. And, and Harry does tell McGonagall that he got lost. They got lost to the movie. Yeah. They show up to Transfiguration late. Yeah. They? Yeah. They walk in and they see the, the cat sitting on the desk. So they think they're in the clear, you know. And then, of course, it turns into McGonagall. Right. Just leaps right off the desk. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This has nothing to do with anything, but I shared it on the Facebook page, so I have to bring it up. But the the comic strip about the Slytherin girl that's petting the cat, like who's oh. the cutest little put put, and then it transforms into McGonagall, and she's just walking away with like chin up in the air, haughty look on her face. I am, I'm the best little put put. <laughs> McGonagall is the best little put put. Yes, it was. That's obvious fact. Correct me up. <laughs> Anywho. How often do you think she does that just because she wants a belly rub? (laughs) McGonagall. How often do you think she, like, just transforms? Oh, man, my my belly itches. I could use a good back scratch. Like, I'm just going (laughs) to... Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if I could turn into a cat, I would probably do that. If I could transform into a cat, I'd die. Maybe you wouldn't be allergic then. Ooh, that'd be... How awful would it be to be allergic to yourself? Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if I am. That could be why she sounds like this right now. Maybe. <laughs> Let's just keep, keep rolling. <laughs> so, yeah, the the whole cat leaping off the desk and turning into Professor McGonagall did not happen in the books. Yeah. They don't even find out. Like, she doesn't even say anything about being anime, able to do that yeah. um, until a later book. And so we'll talk about that more then. Yeah. Uh, she did show them some magic, though. As a demonstration, she turned uh, the desk into a pig and back. Yeah. They got really excited, and then they were like, we are not going to be able to do anything that advanced for a long time. And then she gives them all, like, 
the matches, matches that they mm-hmm. have to turn into needles and Hermione is literally the only one who can change it. And they don't even say that she turned it into a needle, just that it went silver and pointy. It was the closest, yeah. yeah. So, must be challenging if Hermione couldn't do it on day one. Right, obviously. Clearly. 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 We need to stop doing that. We really do. The book also included a lot more descriptions of the other classes that they had yeah so we got to hear the other teachers and what they taught even little bits of what went on in their classroom yeah for some of them yeah tiny little snippets yeah kind of um but the movie only shows a bit of transfiguration in potions yeah but the book to movie scene for potions definitely had some elements spot on though like in both snape singles out malfoy as his favorite like he, like he gives him that like, that, like mm. pointed look. Yeah, he gives him the look, and in the in the yeah. book, he's like the only one that he compliments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's you know, and and Snape kind of, or not Snape, but Malfoy is kind of like, <laughs> uh, teacher likes me, teacher likes me. Yeah, Nazi von douchebag the second. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, so so that that stayed pretty true, and then also he asked uh, Harry the difficult questions that. There's that no Harry didn't know, that there's yeah. no reason Harry should have even known them. You know, like as I mean, if he was Hermione, apparently he would have. Obviously, well, Hermione's a special kind of extra. And also, grinning. Also, you're Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would have known that. I've not ever gone as far as to memorize my course books. I mean, well, think if uh, think about it, if you found out you actually got to. If I got to Hogwarts, magic. I would 100% memorize all of the course books. Yes, Who that's am I what kidding? I'm saying. Like, I don't think we're joking anybody here. I'm surprised Harry doesn't, kind of. You'd think he I mean, would he be so them. excited. He did, but you'd think he'd be so excited he would, like, know more. I think he was still in a state of disbelief. Yeah. Like, I bought these books. I have a wand. There's no way this is all real. Like, I don't think yeah. it would have sunk in until he actually started taking classes and starting started to learn to do magic. And, and the wand started actually doing things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, for sure. So, back on track. We got Hermione trying to answer the question that Snape's asking Harry, and... Yeah. In the book, Snape just starts asking him the questions just to be a dick. Yeah. But uh, in the movie, he sees Harry taking notes and assumes he's not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, he's... Even though, you know, he's literally writing down everything that Snape says. Like, word by word, he's writing what he says. Wouldn't... (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny... If Harry's taking down what he's saying word for word, but not like really paying attention, so he ends up writing down like all the scolding and pay stuff. attention, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Potter. Wait, that's me. Yeah, because like they have Hermione nudge him so that he catches yeah. on. Because he keeps but... he keeps writing and everything. Yeah, I think that would have been funny. <laughs> I like that. Also, I mean, Harry has some bomb ass writing, handwriting. Yeah. It was really neat. I don't, I don't know that he actually wrote that. I don't think that was Daniel <laughs> Radcliffe's handwriting. Been. It might I've have been. never seen an eleven-year-old be able to write like that. Just keep rolling. <laughs> Just keep on rolling. With yeah, that. back to the scene. So in the book, when Harry's unable to answer Snape's questions. He's just like, you should try Hermione. She seems to know, and yeah. he loses a point from Gryffindor for that. Right, but in the film, you know, this is it's a scene, but it's a deleted scene. Um, they actually took it out where um, Snape comes down and, like, sits in front of Harry and tells him all the answers and all that. And But, like, he's a dick about it. Because he's Snape. Because he's Snape, yeah. 
And meanwhile, Hermione, like, still kind of has her hand up. <laughs> and I feel like she she's like, oh, but I knew that. Yeah, I, I wanted to answer it. Exactly. And so um, Harry gives him some sass. And, and rightfully so, in my opinion. But uh, Snape takes five points from Gryffindor for Harry's cheek. For Harry's cheek. I really wish they hadn't deleted that scene. I do, too. Alan Rickman is just amazing in that scene. And, and who doesn't love sassy Harry? First of all, Alan Rickman is amazing in, like, every scene. <laughs> point. Second of all, point. who doesn't love sassy Harry? Yeah. Oh, apparently the directors. Apparently the screenwriters. Yeah. I, I was actually kind of wondering if maybe Dan played Harry too sassy in it. Because the movie had such a tendency of making him more polite. Like, remember yeah. in when he first met Hagrid and Hagrid gives him the cake... In the book, Harry wants to say thank you, but instead accidentally says, who are you? Yeah. And in the movie, he was just like, oh, thank you. And he's just super polite about it. We even talked about that in that episode. Yeah, but but when it's Hagrid, though, it's that's someone who's being nice to him and giving him a cake. This is Snape being a dick to him. And making him look like a dumbass in front of all his, you know, new classmates that he doesn't even know. Right. Oh, I'm not saying that I would have made the same choice. I think the scene should have been left in. But having watched the deleted scene, it's kind of the only time he blows up in an adult until, like, I mean, he does more of that a little bit later when he yeah, becomes an angsty teenager and we see more of Caps Lock Harry. Yeah. <laughs> but up until that point, he's always been really polite to adults even his aunt and uncle he's very polite to them he's not <laughs> so i'm wondering I mean, he's snark he's snarky to them though even even Dudley, yeah but less so his aunt and uncle at first i guess so i'm wondering if they were just like no we can't let him be this defiant see i i mean it's and that's not for me to say because i'm i didn't i didn't edit this so i can't really tell you but I wish they would have kept it in. I wish so too. Because I don't think he, I don't think he was being too sad. I think he was I, finally being faced with someone who hated him for like no reason. No reason. His his aunt and uncle. He kind of he lived with that his whole life. He knew like he knew they were always dicks. But this, he comes into this class. He gets there on time. He's, he's taking just like, notes. Hi, I just met you. What the fuck's your problem? Yeah, literally. Like he just kind of like Snape lays into him, and he's like. Fame isn't everything, and he's and Harry's like, dude, I didn't even know I was famous till like a month ago, man. Like, yeah, the hell's wrong hell? with you? Actually, I think this might make a really good Potter pondering. I'd love to know what our listeners think about why they cut out that. Yeah, scene. about why they cut out that scene because it was fantastic. Like, first of all, if you guys haven't seen it, get yourself the Blu-ray or DVD or however old you are. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you'll probably be able to find it on YouTube. Right. Or look well, at, look for it on YouTube. Well, when they when they do like the Harry Potter marathons on like Freeform or whatever, right. they or always heck, do the extended. We'll find it on YouTube and post it on our Facebook page. Well. And then you guys can see for yourself if you haven't already what the deleted scene was and what I'm talking about when I say that Harry may have been a little too harsh. And I don't personally think that he was i think it fit what was going on like katie's been saying but we'd love to know what you guys think about the situation and why it would have been removed were they just trying to save time or did they take issue with harry the scene i mean obviously there's no way they could have taken any issue with snape because alan rickman is a gem and (laughs) he's a gift can do no wrong (laughs) he's a gift to humanity right yes (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, so let us know. We'll we'll tag that on as one of our Potter ponderings. Yeah, sure. Um, here's a fun fact for you guys. Ooh. So the potions that Snape is quizzing Harry about. Mm-hmm. He wants to know what you get when you add the powdered root of asphodel to an infusion of wormwood. Yeah. And asphodel is a type of lily, and wormwood means bitter sorrow. Oh, shit. So you're saying that Snape was essentially, like, telling Harry that he regretted Lily's death. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big jump. Yeah, for... kind of in code. Yeah. I think it was just one of those things where... As much as he holds a grudge against Harry, and we'll talk about that more as the series goes on, he obviously, and you know, something we learn as well in the future books, does have some form of a soft spot for him. Yeah. And also... Uh, but I don't think it was one of those things that, like, Snape is so gray. There's just... He's not bad and he's not good. And we'll talk way more about this as he starts doing things. Yeah. And later on when we get to, like, big things happening but but also you know side note doesn't that potion actually isn't that actually how you make the draft of living death yeah it's the draft of living death so so really i mean it's jk if we go back to to the root of all this it's jk who was sitting there going "Ooh, let's put lily together with oh something that means bitter sorrow and we'll make living death yeah and that's i i kind of like that i'm i'm a hundred percent positive that J.K. Rowling did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just the kind of things that she does. Oh, yeah. The way she throws all that stuff in there, I love it. But, yeah. So, I thought, I thought like, I wonder if Harry ever figured that out. Like, I read, not. I read that somewhere. But I wonder if, like... I a, doubt it. Any, or, you know, maybe Hermione knew. Maybe she figured it out. That's a Hermione kind of thing. I guess. So, it just it would just be interesting to know. If he ever did figure out what Snape was saying to him. Yeah. The very first thing he ever said to him, ultimately. Uh, Anyway, in the book, in addition to losing the point for his cheek. For his um, cheek. Well, I guess they don't really say that in the the book. It's not really for his cheek. That was a movie line. They do talk about cheek, though, in the books, too. But um, in addition to that point, he loses another point when Neville accidentally melts his cauldron. And Snape is full on just like, why didn't you tell him not the ad, the quills, before doing whatever it was? Because <laughs> Harry's and, supposed to just know. Right. And he's just like, you thought it'd make you look good. And Harry's just there like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I'm working on my own potion. I I was taking notes. And, yeah. Talk about a bad first day. I'm just saying that, had, that has to I, suck. I mean, there's a reason why he described that class as the worst. Like, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, but that scene was totally, was completely omitted from the film. They didn't even make any potions. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they just, in the movie. they that just had, book. like, the introduction to um, the uh, the teachers, and then, the, like, oh, this is potions. Bye. Like, yeah. there, was, there was no actual learning happening on syllabus day, apparently. No. But, um, I mean, did, did we really need to see them make stuff? I mean, it would have been kind of fun to see Neville's cauldron melt. Well, yeah. It's always fun to see It would have been fun to see more of that interaction. I mean, they already cut out the bulk of it. Like, all we got was him bullying him with questions. We didn't get the, like... Yeah, but... Did we need to see it? Yes, yes, I think we did. (laughs) (laughs) I would have liked to. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I think we needed it. Do not get me wrong. I'm just saying for the sake of... I think my life is not complete without it. Well, sorry your life is not complete, (laughs) 
Anywho. Very sorry. <laughs> Anywho. What about when they start the scene? Oh my gosh. Because in the book, they show up to go to class and the teacher's there. Yeah. Yeah. But in the movie... But in the movie, like, Snape... All the kids are sitting there and Snape just flounces in. Snape totally flounces. He flounces his billowy in. entrance. Yes. <laughs> yes, his billowy Flounce. room. Flounce. <laughs> What my my issue with that is, first of all, what group of kids is going to be sitting nicely in their seats with no teacher in the room? I am a teacher. I'm telling you, I call bullshit. That <laughs> does not happen. Especially, it just doesn't happen. You well, leave kids unattended in a room. Like, I can step outside of my door, having been in there and gotten them on track, I can step outside of my door for two seconds to say something to the teacher in the classroom next to me. And when I come back in the room, 27 of them are out of their seats. And there's only 25 in the class. So I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> it's okay, so don't worry, sweetie. You're, you're in a safe place now. Am I, though? I might get sick. But then you'll have a sexy voice like mine. Oh. Oh. I do want a sexy voice like Everybody yours. No, I can't do it. Voice. I just sounded creepy when I tried to do that. No, a lot of things We're just going to keep on rolling. <laughs> I think the biggest difference between the book and the movie chapter and scene is that the movie completely omitted Harry and Ron getting tea with Hagrid. Yeah, which, that wasn't even there Like, Harry had been looking forward to that all day. Like, he, they said that in the book, that he was so glad that he had tea with Hagrid to look forward to because potions sucked so much. Yeah. Which you, sometimes you you need that during the days. Yeah, you just so you need, need something, something to, get to look you forward through. to. Like this uh-huh. podcast is for me. Sometimes my day just sucks so much that I'm just like, at least I'm meeting up with Katie and we're gonna talk Harry Potter <laughs> after this. Yeah. And um, the movie replaces it with a scene in the Great Hall, actually, where they're all like, it seems like they're studying or whatever, and the mail comes, and uh, Seamus is sitting there trying to turn water into rum, which, I mean, aside from the logistics of it. It's just, why would you try and do that when, like, a teacher could come up and be like, what the fuck are you trying to make alcohol for, kid? You're 11. Yeah, why would but, an 11-year-old want rum? Well, I, I mean, 11-year-olds want what they can't have, but this is weird. Who, and who taught him that poem? I and know. why rum? He's Irish. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying... It's wrong because he didn't ask for whiskey? Right. Well, what rhymes with whiskey? Risky. Risky. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, risky. Like Seamus trying to do the spell. (laughs) Yeah, totally blows up in his face, literally. Literally. (laughs) Even the fruit is scorched. Right. Do do accents get in the way of spellcasting? Like, you know, do you remember when, when Alexa was first, like, a big thing, and Siri and all the Scottish people were complaining that Siri couldn't understand them? Because of their accent, huh. would that would that be a thing in in spellcasting? You think maybe this should be a ponder pondering too. Maybe, maybe because it's like because it's he already really he's already hard to understand. Yeah, he's hard to understand. I didn't. I honestly did not know what he said until we looked it up to make sure we had it right for this episode. Yeah, eye of rabbit, harp string hum, turn this water into rum. Into rum. <laughs> Yeah, this didn't happen in the book because they were at Hagrid's and that's where the scene ended. Yeah, but it was good comic relief. You know, they added, they, they kind of throw Seamus blowing shit up all over. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to point out all of the times that Seamus blows things up as we go through this. Right. Along with all of the times that Hermione steals lines. 
do we have time for all of that? It's our podcast. We can uh, make it as long as we want. True, true. Unlike the movies who felt the need to streamline everything, like this scene. Because <laughs> in the book, like I was saying, he was in Hagrid's hut for tea with Ron. And that's oh. where he found the newspaper and read about the break-in in Gringotts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in, the, in the movie, he borrows Ron's newspaper. Right. And it's spelled out for him that it's Vault 713. The oh, break-in is done. Right, because yeah. in the book, Harry is just speculating and Hagrid won't look him in the eye and give him a straight answer. Yeah, exactly. Was, you know, was 713, was it emptied because they knew someone would try to break in? That, sh- that should be our part of pondering. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Because did Dumbledore know? Why Why would he have sent him to empty it? Yeah. And what good timing on sending Hagrid that to empty it happened. on... I, I mean, I... <laughs> on the day that it gets yeah. broken into? Or, did he... I, there's a lot that I have to wonder if he knew. We'll talk more about it when we get later in this book. Right. But uh, the scene in the movie also shows when Neville gets his remember-all, even though it doesn't happen until the next chapter. But because yeah. it ties it in with Harry learning about the, the Gringotts, the Gringotts break, break-in, break we yeah. had to kind of mush this together and like we said it's not always gonna line up perfectly it's but... not an exact science guys. so we're we'll, we're gonna talk more about this next episode too yeah i do want to mention though that um neville says he can't remember what he's forgotten and i don't know if you noticed this but at the time he's the only wizard in the in the great hall that doesn't have his robes on he forgot his robes he forgot his he robes. forgot him also, I love his little accent. He sounds like he sounds like the fifth beetle. His accent. I just love him. I can't remember what I've forgotten. He just sounds like a little Paul McCartney. Sort of him. a beetle-like. <laughs> so this brings us to where we get to talk about the actors. We already talked about Alan Rickman as Snape in our last episode. Yeah. But now he really had his moment. Yeah. Of the beginning of his moments. Yeah. But even though some of the best part of it did occur in a deleted scene, we still, I mean, we got to see him flounce. Yeah, billow. His billowy entrance. Yes. And his drawn out pronunciation of words that just kind of leaves you hanging on the edge of your seat. Oh, I know. Ah, uh, new celebrity. celebrity. Oh, I just love, I love everything that he does. And we've said it before. But there's literally nobody else that could have played Snape. Yeah. There's just nobody. Nobody could have done it as he did. Yeah. Have you seen that comic of, um, it's like comparing the, the book to the movie, like what it should have been and then what's, what it actually was in the book. I'm smiling because I have seen this comic. So it was like Harry is, is, you know, supposed to be, have messy hair and is supposed to be gangly and scrawny. And then there's handsome Daniel Radcliffe and Hermione's supposed to have frizzy hair and buck teeth. And then there's adorable Emma Watson. And then Snape is just Alan Rickman. Right. It's both is just, just motherfucking Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as, as much as we've been like nicknaming the nastier characters with names to go along with their personalities, I can't. Like Snape is just already, yeah. he's just Snape and he's, it's just... If you call someone a Snape, you know that they're a dick. They're a dick. It just yeah. he just is what he is. He's Snape. And so he's not gonna he's probably not gonna get a nickname from us unless we feel particularly clever or creative one day. This yeah. is not the day. At this moment, we just cannot top the name Snape. Yeah. It's just you just can't. like nobody would be able to top 
The Portrayal of Snape by Alan Rickman. So basically what we're saying is as a sign of respect, we're leaving Snape as Snape. Snape as Snape. <laughs> but let's move on. To Just our, keep rolling. Let's keep rolling and move on to uh, Devin Murray we met as Seamus Finnegan. And I love him. I love little Seamus. He's my little Irish boy. He's adorable. And he's just so funny. He really is. He he has some great facial expressions. And they cut out some of his some of his yeah. funnier lines, but No, I thought like the whole bit that they start with him blowing things up. Like obviously this was the first instance that we got to see of it, but we will point out the other ones because it continues. Yeah. And um It's a theme. Yeah. And he just <laughs> like he just had like the cutest face for getting it all sooty and messing up his hair to look like he's been through the explosions. And, right. Yeah. And and that accent. Even though I could not understand what the spell was. <laughs> it was just I, I I like your question about if accents affect spell casting. Yeah. Because it could be like maybe that's why the spell blew up. Or it could just be maybe because he was saying a poem and it was like not a spell, like, yeah. not a spell, like like Ron and his scabbers turning poem, yellow. Yeah, spell. exactly. Like, I don't know that poems are spells, but I, I mean, who yeah. knows why it blew up? It was funny, and he did a great job with those scenes. He did, and he's Irish, which is definitely a plus in my book. Definitely, yes, for absolutely. Sure. And the last actor that we met in this scene was Alfred Enoch as Dean Thomas, the one-line wonder. Look, Neville's got a remember-all. They, I mean, he had more to say in in the book, in yes. the books, and yeah. But, but in in almost every movie, he's only given one line. Yeah, so we're, we'll we'll point those out as well. The one-line wonder. Yeah, but poor, I, poor Dean Thomas. He I was thought, he was sweet. I liked him. I thought he was adorable, and yeah. I think he fit the role. Like he looked like I imagined. Right. In. Him and Seamus, like he couldn't have one without the other. Right, so. and he go and he is now. He's a pretty good actor now. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, he's been in a couple different episodes. I think he was in Sherlock. He was in a stage play now that that looks really good. And uh, yeah, he's he's a really good yeah, actor. Katie whipping out the Alfred Enoch trivia right. because <laughs> we put him under my color to talk about, and I apparently <laughs> didn't know any of that. Other than the fact that I liked him as Dean Thomas and wished that they could have given him more to do. I just happen to notice him when I see him in, in things, I guess. I'm like, oh, look, Dean Thomas. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, no, a lot of times I'll see the Harry Potter actors in other things and still refer to them as yeah. oh, their yeah. Harry Potter character. For sure. <laughs> so that brings us to our Potter ponderings this week. Uh, we had, was Vault 713 empty because they knew that someone would try to break in? And also, why do you think they cut out the potion scene in the movie when we got to see Harry be sassy towards Snape? Hmm. Hmm. Why did they? I think it was a mistake. I would like to hope so. Let us know what you think. We're going to have these posted up on Facebook and Twitter before the episode is even up. So by the time you hear this, go look for them. They'll be there. Next up comes the Sorting Hat story. Who do we have this week? This week... Our Sorting Hat story features Dave Garza. He says, I'm 51 years old, a Hufflepuff, with a pear wood wand with a unicorn hair core, 10 and 3 quarters inches, and slightly yielding flexibility. My Patronus is a dapple gray mare. In the early 2000s, I had a head injury that limited a lot of what I could do physically. I ended up watching a lot of TV. 
In about 2005, I started watching the first few Harry Potter movies on cable TV, and by 2006 saw the first four films over and over as they were replayed on TV. My head injury kept me from going to the movie theater, so I found myself anxiously awaiting when The Order of Phoenix would make it to TV in probably another year or so. I decided I couldn't wait for the movies to get on TV to find out what happened, so I decided to read the books. I started from book one and was amazed and captivated by how much more the books contained than the movies did, and immediately knew I liked book Dumbledore way better than movie Dumbledore. Thank you, Dave. I was hooked. I finished each book in just a few days. Not knowing much about the series itself, I simply read each book when I finished the previous one and didn't really pay attention to how many were left. You can imagine my shock and horror in finishing book six and finding out that the seventh book had not even been released yet. Merlin's beard. Torture, I tell you. Torture. A year later, Deathly Hallows finally came out, and I think I only put it down to sleep. I don't believe I ate anything for the few days it took me to finish it. The Order of the Phoenix made it to TV later that year, and I had patiently awaited all the films to come out the following years, going back to reread all the books between each film's release. Having not read the books again in recent years, I find I am way more familiar with the movies than the books, and love hearing you ladies point out and discuss the differences between them. Aw, thanks, Dave. Yeah, That's thanks, so nice. Dave. And also, Dave is the closest thing to a wizard that I know. He yeah. is actually a professional magician, and well. um, has like I'm convinced that he knows just enough sleight of hand to mask the fact that he's really magic. So. <laughs> So glad that he's been listening to our podcast and being part of this magical world because he just brings a little bit more magic to it himself. (laughs) Well, that brings us to this week's trivia question. In the book, not the movie, what class does McGonagall pull Oliver Wood out of? Bonus points if you can tell us what class he was in for the movie, too. Yeah. If you know the answer, head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post. Comment under the post with the answer and the code word Quidditch. The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word will get a Bitch is a Witch, Motherfucker's a Wizard, or a Just Keep Rolling sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcasts or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Yeah, and don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. This week we have some shout-outs. We do. The first one is my cousin, who's an awesome guy, let me tell you, um, Scott Freeman. He not only composed our theme song. Which is so perfect. Right? He did it like he he did it so long ago and I had him listen to it lately and he was like I did that in like a not good way. We love it, Scott. But we love it. It's amazing to me. I still have it on my iPod and I listen to it regularly. And now you guys get to hear it every week. Right? Fun times. But not only did he do that, he also created a website for us. So now you guys can go to justkeeprolling.com and check out all of the stuff that we're going to have up there. It's still under construction right now. Yeah, it's in the works. We uh, we need to customize things, and this is where we're going to put the store that we are working on putting together. So, mm-hmm. But we knew it was something we were going to have to do eventually, and, and now, it's, now done. it's done. And it, 
he's amazing for that. Like, we can't thank you enough, Scott. Right? We really appreciate it. Katie, I gotta ask, what happened to your voice? It's fixed. I know, it's magic. It's crazy how things work. When you take a week off of recording and come back and add an insert in. Yay, health! I'm super stoked. But that'll bring us to shout-out number two this week. And that goes to Justin Reynolds, who just became our second patron on Patreon.com. Not only is he a patron, he is an Order of Merlin first class patron. Fancy! Right? Because we have multiple tiers, depending on which one you sign up for gets you different perks. Yeah. And if you would like to join us in that journey and become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is appreciated. Definitely. We are trying to put together our merchandise store, which I've been working on t-shirt designs for, and I just recently posted the pictures of my conceptual designs Mm -hmm. for what we're hoping to get to. We have... um, mugs and scarves that are in the works as well so any way you can help would be wonderful that brings us to the very end of this where i say yes it does join us next week when we talk about chapter nine the midnight duel and the corresponding movie scenes thanks for listening we hope you hear us again i'm katie i'm ellen until the next time just just keep keep rolling. rolling